Podcast Network Asia. What's going on? This is Xavier Woods, aka Austin Creed. Welcome to the big time. Hello, WWE Universe in the Philippines. This is Charlotte. You know your damn role and shut your damn mouth. Hey everyone, this is Jeff Cobb. I have to finish the story. We are pretty deadly. Yes, boy. Yes, boy. Hello, my name is Zina Dragunov, the star. Bang, the sniper is shooting you down. This is TMDK's Robbie Eagles, and you are listening to the Wrestling Wrestling Podcast. You're listening to the longest-running weekly episodic Filipino wrestling podcast. This is the Wrestling Wrestling Podcast. Stan C, Ro Moran, Emil ASH, and Rowan ASH checking in for part two of this super, super-sized episode with our guests Paul London and Carlo Cannon. As you noticed, no special SFX because, well, it's really just a part two of that very long and fun conversation that we had with these wrestling veterans. And we had such a good time picking their brain that our conversation went uh, basically two hours plus. So we're really happy that we get to share this part of the interview because this is where a lot of the fun off the rail stories really got shared from uh, Paul London telling us about the acting choice he made in that infamous scene right before Mr. McMahon's limo exploded to how he quite literally scarred himself in a trip here in Manila back in November 2006 when he was part of the SmackDown roster that performed at what's now called the Smart Araneta Coliseum and so much more. You'll get to hear all of those stories right now. So babyface producer Jasper, let's get right to it. Paul, one of our kids here, Rowan, has a question about uh, your time in WWE and one of the uh, acting choices you've made that stuck with him. Oh, yeah. So, oh. yeah, I have, I have a feeling. Like, I know where this is going. Probably <laughs> 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 ask this question so many times. This is a five in one question. Sorry. Uh, what was going on in your head when you were smiling before Vince McMahon's limo exploded? Does that have anything to do with the whole video game thing? <laughs> what what made you smile? Like, was that an acting choice? Is it true yeah. that, that is it true that this backstage segment was filled several times and you smiled in every take? And were you punished mm-hmm. for that? Yes, yes, and yes. Um, <laughs> funny enough, I was already in hot water. The this this event, like this this whole thing, took place in. Um, I want to say Hershey, Pennsylvania, maybe. And I was already in hot water because a possum-faced, bow-legged hillbilly uh, who was jealous of my um, dating situation had attempted to sabotage my career by putting out something on the internet that was completely false. But the company ran with it thinking uh, that he must have done this. Like, why is this on the internet? Um, And so I had to clear that before I even put my gear bags down. I walked into the building and was brought into the office 
and, you know, getting reprimanded for something I didn't do. And, um, I had my girlfriend at the time vouching for me because it involved her. Um, and so I was already in hot water. And once I had gotten that kind of settled, uh, we then, you know, as you do, you go and you change into your, your training clothes to work out or whatever. And <laughs> then as the, as the meetings start letting out and you go up and you find your agents, or whatever, and you start trying to figure out if you're on the show or not. Um, the, you know, as the day goes on, you start, the, the show starts coming together and you start figuring if you're on the show or not, or if you're doing another meaningful dark match, uh, or another meaningful velocity showcase. <laughs> um, and so what was presented to the majority of the locker room was uh, they pulled us all aside and they said, um, we're going to tape this segment. We're going to do this pre-taped segment in the back. Now during the show, and this is like all the people that you see in that, in that, in that clip, in that, in that segment, this is, they got all these people together and they were like, so, um, Vince is going to be in the ring and there's going to be something very off about him. And I will use a hard R here um, because this is what they said. They were like, he's going to be acting very queer, um, very queer. And something's going to be off about Vince. Um, he's going to be acting very queer. And, like they said queer like 30 times. I'm not <laughs> kidding you. Like this was their exact direction. I'm sitting here thinking like, what the fuck? Like what? Um, <laughs> we're all kind of looking at each other like, what? Like, why do they keep saying that? Um, he's going to be very off. Something's going to be off about him. Like he's just, he's going to be acting very, yeah, queer. We got it. We got it. Um, so he's going to come back here and we're going to have you all lined up in the hallways. Uh, cause that's natural, right? That the whole locker room's just <laughs> spread out in the hallway during the show. Um, not in the locker rooms. Uh, so when he walks up to you, keep in mind, he's going to be very queer. Um, just play off of it, play off of it. And, uh, you know, he's going to be very queer and, uh, queer, 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 queer. Just go with it. And uh, all right, cool. Uh, we'll see you on a little bit. And that was it. Like, that was the direction. It's like, what the hell am I supposed to take from this? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> what is this? What is, I have no idea what's happening. Um, what they failed to mention was that the night prior, they had filmed this whole limo explosion nonsense. Like, not a single one of us had a clue that that even was a thing. But they shot that the night before. Um, so I'm trying to think, uh, I don't know if I, I'm assuming, no, I don't think we were tag champions at the time. I don't know where we were, uh, standing wise with the company, but we might've been tag champs. It's very possible that we were at the time. Um, but needless to say, uh, 
Yes, I did make an acting choice, if you want to call it that. I guess it was. It was a choice. Um, I'm a big fan of the band Faith No More. That's probably like my favorite band ever. I just I grew up listening to them, and I love Faith No More. Mike Patton, I think, is one of the greatest singers in modern-day music. Um, absolute genius singer and musician. So... There's a video that they had on the album of the year album for Last Cup of Sorrow. And in this music video, it's kind of a spoof of Alfred Hitchcock's Vertigo. And there's a scene in this music video where he saves this girl from jumping in the harbor and he takes her back up to his apartment and she's kind of coming out of the bathroom from coming out of her fainting spell or whatever happened to her. And she's in the bathroom after having taken a shower and he's like hanging up her clothes or something. And he's like looking at her like underwear, undergarments or something like that. And she comes out of the bathroom. And he kind of like mysteriously puts it behind his back or sits on it or something. I can't remember. And then he's just kind of like, <laughs> you know, and the, the idea was like, don't shoot the village idiot, right? Like, I'm smiling. I'm an idiot. Like, whatever. It couldn't have been me. Right. And so I kind of took that and I thought, okay. Um, and, and I guess kind of like Adrian Brody in the village, um, the Shyamalan movie, the village uh, where he's kind of like the village idiot. He's like this, this, this dummy right in the village who like nobody takes seriously. And like, he certainly couldn't be involved like with anything going on that's serious. And so like, I just kind of took something like that and thought, I don't know what is making the boss so queer, uh, <laughs> but it has zero to do with this idiot. So, <laughs> That was the decision behind that smile, right? It was like, and to me, it's like everyone is so trying to be like acting like scared and concerned. Like, what's happening with Mr. McMahon? Why is he acting so queer and odd and unusual? Oh my God. Like, what, what could it be? And like, if you watch that segment, the funniest crap in that is the faces on everybody else because it's so bad. It's so <laughs> dumb. It's so dumb. Like you want to talk about like bad acting 101, watch that. Um, and uh, it, it's hilarious. And so like, sure enough, uh, queer old Vince walks up to me <laughs> literally every take we did like nine takes of this like i'm not kidding like nine takes of this and he walked up to me pretty much every time and he's like and they were like if he says something to you just kind of you know don't get into a conversation with him but just kind of nod and you know he's queer um <laughs> I was like, okay, what the, f yeah, whatever. So like every time, same thing. I was just like, <laughs> and he would like, look me in the eye. Uh, uh, he would walk off every take looked right at me. 
and he'd walk off. Um, <laughs> so like, <laughs> that's it. And they're like, ah, we got it. Thanks everybody. And then um, it was that little nerd that was with Kali, his manager, Ron, Ron John, Ron, Ron Jin. whatever the, yeah, <laughs> it doesn't matter. And, you know, most of these office people are like professional ass kissers, right? So anything they can possibly do to get brownie points with the boss, they're going to do it. So he pulls out like this laser pointer when they're looking at the monitor after take nine of pretty much the exact same thing. And he's like, boss, boss, please, please acknowledge me, boss, with your existence. Please acknowledge me and my existence. Please, please, boss, please give me a few seconds of your time. Please, I'll put it in my mouth afterwards. Please, boss. <laughs> Do you think somebody's going to pay attention to this? <laughs> and like zeroed in on me. <laughs> and, and, and like most of us are still right there in the hallway like because we're all just kind of bullshitting and laughing about how stupid that whole thing was and he looks down and he's like and he looks up and it was like his neck was like a periscope on a submarine it like just went like and he like looked over the crowd and he saw me and then his like head went back down and he power walked over to me and he was like why? Why were you smiling? <laughs> I was like, I don't know, because I don't know what's happening. And I figured, hey, don't kill the village idiot. I'm just here <laughs> smiling like an idiot. Wasn't me. Whatever's happening, I don't know. And he just was so shattered and crushed by this whole possibility that there was somebody who wasn't acting afraid of him uh, that he, he looked at me. He just, he, he goes, I don't get that. I don't get, I don't get that. I don't get that. And he stormed off and he could have easily just been like, Hey, we got to do one more. This idiot over here was smiling. Don't <laughs> smile this time. One more, please. Like that's all he had to do. <laughs> That's all he had to do. And he was so hurt and crushed by me, by little old me, uh, that he ended up actually becoming queer. And he walked off uh, all queered out. So, and I mean that in the bizarre way, not in the, <laughs> hey. Um, so that, that is as detailed as I could possibly explain <laughs> that whole situation. And I'll just dispel this ridiculous notion that I was fired for this. That wasn't the case. I was still employed there for like another two years after this. So anytime you ever see anybody who's like, Oh, that's that guy who got fired for smiling. <laughs> I know the inner workings of the business. <laughs> like, no, like talk about somebody brain dead, those people, uh, because I was still there for like, yeah, like two years after that, there was even a segment where Vince had like deja vu. And they did a similar thing where he's like walking backstage and he, he had to get his last laugh in and he comes up to me. And he's like, 
keep that, keep smiling. <laughs> and he walked off. Like it fell flat. Like, like, okay. Oh, good one, Vince. Um, stupid. Yeah. Right. Uh, so yeah. Oh, uh, Paul, I, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but that segment that you just told the story on, it, it happened exactly 16 years today. So I don't know if you know. <laughs> <laughs> that was a very timely question from Rowan because it happened. Sweet 16. Yeah. Um, uh, but I do have a question. Like um, hilarious. Like, uh, are you like, do you still uh, like the fact that people still remember it to this day? The the people, the pe- some like most of the people, they remember you from that segment. Like, yeah, the, I, the things I get asked about the most of that and like the the royal rumble elimination um probably more so the limousine stuff than the, <laughs> than the rumble thing but yeah i mean i'm flattered honestly um in a business that loves to forget if my work and the matches that i had didn't make you remember me than at least like a, a a funny genuine blunder of a moment uh then at least you remembered that <laughs> and if it makes me look ballsier for having like stood up to the boss then like great but like that wasn't my intention um you know so like it, I didn't tell them like, Hey, you know what? You guys should make me one of the suspects <laughs> like on the list of suspects. Like we'll get, it'll be great. We'll have Bobby Lashley. Uh, we'll have like stone cold. We'll have Donald Trump. Um, Jr. We'll have all these names and then put me on there. And this will be great TV, like idiotic to think that that was my idea. Again, I had no idea that the limo would be exploded. Nobody did. Like I still didn't. Like what? So that was their doing. They're the ones that put me on this suspect list. I guess they felt that doing one more take, doing take ten, was way too difficult than just conceding and being like, "Well, we don't know what else to do. We we have to make him a suspect." Like, oh, we put him on the list, like of suspects. Like, I guess we'll we'll figure it out. I don't I don't know. I don't know. He's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, ridiculous, right? I'm on the list of like all these names, including Donald Trump of all clowns, and uh, <laughs> and there I am at the bottom, you know. So, um, if anything, you're welcome, Vince. I made your stupid <laughs> dream segment more memorable and entertaining so <laughs> you're welcome but that's uh, paul to a t that's you that's like <laughs> from as for as long as i've known i've known paul that's i that segment makes me laugh because that's just you i don't think like you're the stories i have of paul and the adventures we've had it that's just it makes me laugh because that's just that's just paul to a t paul does what he wants and <laughs> just that's has so fun. it's always a funny story that comes out of it every time so for Speaking, me that's uh, just Speaking of uh, being just you, um, I wanted to ask this because you talked about uh, creative restrictions and being uh, denied your pitches. So one of the first things, post-WWE things I saw you in was the infamous hybrid Dolphins uh, Hive promo with Brian Danielson. (laughs) And how liberating was that? Because that was pretty much you. As I talk to you now, that is your real personality shining. How liberating was that stuff? 
Uh, that there was a lot of weed involved actually in that one. Uh, I, let's just get that right out of the bat right here on my part, not Danielson's part. Um, as far as I know, he's as clean as a whistle. Uh, never seen him drink or smoke anything. So, um, yeah. And the funny thing about that too is here's the thing with promos. If you ground your promos in some thread of realism, you're going to be better off than just trying to put on a character. Like one of the things I just, I, I think is so comically bad about promos that we see on television is that wrestlers have this promo voice and it's so ridiculous, right? It's just as ridiculous as, like I was saying, the kid serving me ice cream at the mall over the weekend, and now he's like this badass doing nip-ups and hulking up and taking eight shots, like kicks to the face and yelling. Like, oh, my God. So the promo voice is just as ridiculous. And... um when you watch these promos, because I know that raw is like two and a half hours of promos and maybe 15 minutes of wrestling. Um, you'll see, and you'll hear the same kind of cadence in, in the, in the voice and you'll hear the same phrases in, in that, what they say. And it's crap. It's absolute crap, you know? So for example, um, tonight in that very ring, when I get my hands on you, you're going to wish that it had never happened because at the end of the night, what you're going to remember is a one, two, three, like, you know, it's like, and tonight, like count how many times you hear and tonight in that very ring, what other ring? Of course that ring, you idiot. Like what? <laughs> like and tonight in the locker room stall, you're gonna jerk me off one, two, three times. Like like, like what? <laughs> like it's so stupid. It's so stupid. Um and, and like and the fact of the matter is that when I get in that ring, in that very ring. The truth be told, I'm going to take you from pillar to post and you're going to wish that you had not been in the ring with me in that very ring for the one, two, three. Like, I mean, it's just, and tonight, um, yeah, it's ridiculous. So the funny thing about that hybrid, that, that dolphin promo is that a good portion of that is true. Like it actually happened on my way to that PWG show. I went to the beach first because the, the, where that, you know, where PWG used to run in Reseda, uh, that building has since been torn down. It's like an apartment complex now, but it was this little like Viking hall for veterans or bikers or something. I don't know. And it was so claustrophobic in the back. Like it was this locker room and it was just like bags on top of bags. And, you know, like there was just no room. It is is not you know it is what it is, but a lot of locker rooms are that way. But it was very claustrophobic. 
So before I went up there and was kind of like, ah, like, okay, the next five hours, I'm going to be like just in this intense heat with like everyone right on top of me. I'm going to go to the beach and just kind of chill out for a bit and zone out. And I literally, I, I actually did go and get a slice of pizza that I regretted because it messed me up. Like it was not good. And this is in like Malibu where I was, I drove up to, I, I took the long way to Reseda. I went through like Malibu and then up to like Malibu Canyon um, instead of taking the highway. And I literally, I did have a piece of pizza that I regretted and I did sit there on the beach and I did look out into the water and I did see seals um, playing in the water and waiting like, in the water I, I was you know and i and i actually did see uh, a pod of dolphins in the water like i'm not this is all legit i'm not kidding you so that allowed me to just kind of start riffing off of you know because it's like okay we're gonna put you and danielson together for the next show um which funny enough like never even happened like i got injured yeah. or something i can't remember yeah and so um the promo is all that we ever had together. Uh, <laughs> hybrid dolphins. What a tag team of <laughs> promo guys. Um, and then Peligra Bejas, at least with that, we were a team and we had the PWG tag champs and stuff. So like that actually materialized, but I love Danielson. He's a great guy. Um, he slept on my couch when I was in college and, you know, we were doing Indies in San Antonio or in Texas and, you know, we always had a great time at Ring of Honor working together. And um, so that I was actually really jazzed for that that possibility of us teaming together. Um, but I was done with my match that night. And uh, Super Dragon, who, you know, runs the show there, great guy, too. I really liked Danny. Um, he was like, hey, let's do this promo. I was like, huh? Oh, okay, right. Oh, to, to hype up the next show. And so, like, of course, yeah, I went outside and got my head right. Um, and... Uh, and I just started riffing on like what happened to me earlier in the day. And then it just like, once I saw that I was breaking him and he started laughing, <laughs> it allowed me to like really run with it even more. And it basically just made that entire thing up on the spot. So the fact that people still talk about it and laugh about it and enjoy it, like that's, I think he even like mentioned it in his book, funny enough. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was, that was some of my most fun times of working at PWG with those promos. Um, because then I, yeah, I did the same thing with generico and, um, yeah, it was some good times. So, yeah. Uh, Paul, as we wind down here, uh, I yeah. want to ask, I want to ask you about something you've done that, uh, Arquia, Carla Cannon has yet to do. And that is wrestling uh -oh. here in Manila. So do you remember oh, yeah. from that trip in 2006? Uh, I, I, I'm not sure about Ro, but I was there in the crowd. I was not there. I was not there. <laughs> I was there in the crowd at that show. I believe I had a tag match, and I only know yes. that because Brian and I were both there. We both got uh, I believe sent you were still champions on, at the time. Yes. So we got sent on like a dinner with a fan that won some contest the night before. And I don't think this fan could have given like two craps about us having been there because they were probably expecting like Batista and like some big star or something. It was like you're going to have dinner with the tag chance. It's like, who the hell is that? Right. So like we went to some restaurant and, um, 
that was enjoyable. I mean, I loved it. I loved all the whole time of being there. Um, they were so paranoid about security for us. I remember because the hotel we were staying at, there was like uh, a mall. Yeah. I think, yeah, there was like a, an entrance to like a mall shopping yes, district yeah. or something underneath. Yes. And they were like, you guys need to have security with you at all times and all that stuff. And I remember, I think uh, Jamie Noble and I were like, <laughs> are you kidding? Like, we're going to just go venture out. We went down to this mall and I was so close to trying Balut. Um, and I didn't, I regret it because I really wanted to try it. But I thought, mm, maybe Balut, like in this underground mall, might not be like the best <laughs> place to try it i don't know <laughs> yeah right <laughs> but funny enough um the thing i remember the most about that trip <clears throat> and um it will stay with me for the rest of my life is i was literally scarred from that trip and i don't know if you can see it i have a small scar on my chin it's kind of hard to tell because i've got some scruff but I have a scar on my chin um, and I'll try to be quick with this little story. Uh, after the show, all the guys, they all wanted to go out and in a foreign city like that, usually, especially when they're like, everyone needs to be really secure and like protected. And like, bah. we all ended up at this strip club and um, <laughs> I don't, I couldn't tell you which one it was, but we were all at this strip club. And I remember uh, Jimmy Yang and I, because he's like one of my best buds, and we're just kind of sitting there. And the strip club was kind of like, it's very different than like an American strip club. I'll just put it that way. You're sitting there and you're talking and there's like all these beautiful girls and stuff. And you're sitting there and then all of a sudden you start getting like your shoulders rubbed and you're sitting there and you're like, man, this is all right. And then you look and it's like a guy like rubbing your shoulders and he's like smiling, doing like the limo smile. And he's like, <laughs> I'm like no, I'm good. Like, I'm good, man. Like, I'm good. Thank you. It was just very weird, right? We were all that. We were all very queer. Um, but anyways, like, it's so like all these, all these guys, like Lashley, all these guys started, they busted out the 151 and they started drinking like heavily, like all this stuff and they like, pass around the shots. And like, it's like this group of like beefy wrestlers were all there in the strip club and like avoiding these like massages. And, um, and even like, I went to like the bathroom to like take a piss and I'm sitting there. And then all of a sudden this, like this guy comes up and starts rubbing my shoulders. I'm like, okay, like, no, please. Okay. Like, look, I understand like it's a service. Like you're trying to be like hospitable. I don't want you touching me like when I'm taking a bit, like, I don't need that. I'm good. Thank you. Um, and I get back and everyone's like taking their shirts off. All these, all these wrestlers, like all these wrestlers. I'm like, that's weird. Like, I'm pretty sure we're here to see them take their shirts off, not us <laughs> take our shirts off. So needless to say, Jimmy Yang and I didn't uh, play along with that little uh, impromptu Smackdown wrestlers strip tease. Um, but I got pretty hammered. I got pretty freaking hammered and it got to the point where we were the show in this strip club <laughs> and the girls like decided to kind of like take a break or an intermission or something. 
And they started showing us around the strip club. And like we went on this little tour, this guided tour of the strip club. And I'm like getting super dizzy. I'm just like, oh my God, I feel like crap. Um, Cause I'm not like a big drinker. Like I can, I can, I can handle it, but I'm not, it's not like, you know, I'd much rather uh, enjoy earth's flowers than uh, <laughs> liquor. <laughs> and so, yeah. And so uh, they start showing us backstage and I'm like, Oh, so this is like the gorilla position. And like, <laughs> here's the entrance ramp. And like, you know, and like, I'm, you know, and they, they lead us back through the walk, the, the, the dressing room and, and through the gorilla and out onto the stage. <laughs> and there was like three poles, I think, or like maybe two poles in this long stage, like the main stage. And I'm just getting really just kind of dizzy and nauseous. <laughs> and, uh, and everyone just starts kind of making their way back to the seats. And I stay on the stage. And I'm like, you know what? I think I'm just going to take a seat on the stage. And I ended up taking like a little nap on the stage. Like I fell asleep on the stage for like a minute off to the side, not like right in the middle, but like off to the side. And so I kind of wake up and I'm like, where am I? Right? Like, Oh my, like what is happening? And I'm a little more coherent, but I'm just like, Oh my God, like what? And then I noticed that all the guys, like all the wrestlers, well, still shirtless had made their way back to the seats, not on the stage. But, you know, I think it was even like some, some strippers like heel or something like stepped down near my head. Like they kind of woke me up like <laughs> the hell is going on here. Um, and I woke, I kind of like, and I saw that like all the boys were back in their seats. So I wasn't not, I was still very drunk because in my head, all of a sudden I thought, you know, what's going to be awesome I'm going to pop the boys. This is going to be badass. I'm going to do a running home run slide across the stage, off the stage. I'll go flying in the air. I'll do a front flip and I'll land in my seat and be like, Hey, and like, it totally made sense to me that this was possible. Mind you, they were probably like a good like 20 feet away from the stage. It wasn't like it wasn't like the seat was like right off the stage. It was like they were towards the back of the room. But somehow me like like some bad like Steven Seagal movie, like sliding across, you know, on my stomach. Like, I think it's like Belly of the Beast or something. It's like this terrible Seagal movie where like the opening sequence, he does that. Like he slides across the thing. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, then I would like slide off and like Superman in the air and then do like a front flip and like land on the chair and be like, ah. So what really happened was <laughs> I take off like a couple of like drunken steps and I dive and I catch nothing but air. And then I come like, chin first falling straight down onto the stage and I go bam and like bust my chin open and then just tumble off to the floor and I get up and I'm like ah! and then I could just feel all this blood just go and like I I gigged hard way um, <laughs> yeah on you this, did <laughs> on this uh, yeah on this stripper stage 
in Manila while these girls are like trying to like continue their dances and stuff. And, uh, and it's like when you get busted up in hard way, you just feel kind of like a, a wetness, like a rush of like water or wetness. Right. And you're just like, Oh, Oh, oh shit. Um, so I get back and I'm just, and I'm trying to play it off. And Jimmy's like, Hey, you're, you're bleeding, man. I'm like, nah. I'm like my whole forearms like red. Cause I'm just like going like that. And then sure enough, the guy, like, so I'm uh, one of the girls or something. She was like, you need to be stitched up. Like, well, I was like, okay. Like, I, I don't, I'm not MacGyver. I don't know how to do that. Um, and they're like, the only person that can stitch you up is pretty much the guy in the bathroom who I was like, no, like, don't touch me. Pissing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was like, like he was and like, he was the only guy that like in this whole place that knew how to like, give me butterfly stitches and suture me up was the guy that I was like, don't touch me, dude. Like I got my dick in my hand. Like I don't need you touching me, man. Um, you know? So like, sure enough, I had to like walk back there and I was like, uh, excuse me, like I heard you were the guy to talk to. You. Like he was so nice, um, but yeah, he st- he stitched me up. So um, that's that's really my my fondest memory of being in Manila is getting busted open like an idiot, uh, diving chin first on a stripper stage, and I mean, not I have like this injured. score. I hate. Oh, I love injured, it, but I love that we got to ask you that question. I love it. Are you kidding? I'm always like, so proud. Whenever, like, I'm, you know, like, unless I'm like laying there with somebody, they're like, "What happened to your chin?" I'm like, "Well, uh, you know, like, it's so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous, right?" So that's a hell of um, story. Oh my god. Yeah, and when people are like, you know, I'm like, "Yeah, actually, I got this scar in Manila." They're like, "Oh my god, you got like in a street fight?" And I'm like, "Uh, not exactly." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I turned into that village idiot that was in the limo exposure. I turned into that guy again, uh, <laughs> drunk. And yeah, this is what happened. So it's pretty as, ridiculous. As we wrap up here, um, Carlo, do you have any stuff that uh, that's coming out that you want to plug? And then we'll go to Paul in a bit. Uh, yeah, me and Paul are going to become a tag team in Manila. That's our goal. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it really is. Yes. It actually, it really is. And you're going to call yourselves the macho dancers, which is what we call male strippers here in Manila. Oh, oh love it. Oh, love it. Book it in. We'll wear nothing but the belts. That's it. <laughs> uh, that would be great. Actually, I would love that. Any projects um, that you'd like to promote, Paul? Uh, aside from this tag team, the macho men, or what was it called? The Macho dancers. The macho, macho or macha? Macho. Macho. macho dancers. Yeah. Look, he's already doing the poses. <laughs> look at that. He's he's got it going. We're ready. I, We're I, ready. I need to I give me shot off hand. No, I I'll I'll save the Patreon members um from turning to stone. Uh yeah. Uh really I would love to just be able to get back um first and foremost to Australia so I can see my brother over there and uh, we can train together and and do some shows together and travel the outback um, and uh, you know do a little Wolf Creek action um, and uh, and then it, it would be amazing. I would absolutely love to go back to the Philippines, especially with Carlo um, and without the vice grip of you know the corporate 
uh, company overhead. And I would love to try some pollute uh, on y'all's recommendation on, yes. on where to go. So um, I think that would be amazing. Um, in terms of, uh, you know, I've got, I've got bookings here in the States coming up uh, that, you know, my, I'm not a huge social media guy, but I'm on Twitter and Instagram um, at London foo L O N D O N F U. Uh, and that's for my Kung Fu uh, influence, not for being like some sort of Cena mark or something. Um, so London Foo, I tend to post most of my bookings on there. Um, but, you know, or if I have like uh, film projects or something coming out, um, that's where I post it. Uh, so, yeah, if you want to see what I'm up to, that's that's where you see it. We and, need to get uh, Paul. I think uh, in Asia, I want to bring him over. Yes. Like, I, obviously, I've got I got these uh, these these shows with SPW coming up in August and set up in Thailand, and hopefully, oh uh, my god, uh, I would love that. I think maybe an Asian tour with uh, you know, and my PW obviously coming up in in Malaysia too. So um, it's gonna I'm gonna be in Asia for the next couple of months, which is gonna be exciting. Oh, yeah, hopefully, maybe we need to get Paul over there. Maybe maybe I'll make a surprise visit to one of these uh, MWF shows and <laughs> yes, please punch punch JDL could i be known as naksu cow <laughs> from kickboxer come on yes yeah come with me can we just do a tour together i think um me and paul want to take over i think we'd, we'd make a really good tag team be dangerous i would love that i would love that on that that would be amazing uh, you know, we, we've taken up a lot of both of your time. So thank you so much, Carlo Cannon and Paul London. Really appreciate thank you, guys. you guys just hanging out with us here on the Wrestling Wrestling Podcast and regaling us with all of those stories. Uh, we're going to end this one. It's a supersized episode. We'll figure out if we're going to top this up into two. Uh, but uh, for the patrons, again, you get to catch this in video form over on patreon.com slash wrestling wrestling podcast for $5 to 270 pesos a month. And uh, individually, you can follow us on social media. It is at EML underscore Meister, at Monday Night Rowan, at Row is War, at Chino Supersize, and at underscore Stan C. On behalf of our guests, Carlo Cannon and Paul London, Emil ASH, Rowan ASH, and Ro Moran, my name is Stan C saying, Thank you very much. This is another has been another episode of the Wrestling Wrestling Podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy, and don't be a dick. Wrestling Wrestling <laughs> Podcast. Out. Bye-bye. Peace. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia, the hosts of the program, or other programs of the network. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything.